What I want to talk about today um, is actually, it's amazing, some of those prophetic words that came through about God taking hold of us, uh, writing through things that are not true about us, and writing true things over our lives. Um, I felt what I wanted to speak today was about when something ordinary becomes extraordinary. And um, you'll find there's a verse in 2 Corinthians 4 that I just want to use as a bit of a springboard. But just as, to start us off, um, just to... Uh, some of you will know that my wife Jackie is incredibly creative. And uh, she's been creative over years and currently she's really working with clay a lot. And uh, she loves working with clay. She handcrafts stuff. The stuff she makes is phenomenal. She makes a whole variety of things. If I could have actually understood the technology to get from a photo on my computer onto PowerPoint, I'd have shown you, but I just really struggle with that, so I'm sorry. Um, but uh, but uh, tell me afterwards how to do that. Um, but, um, but she does some amazing things. Everyone is handcrafted, so every piece is unique. And then what she does, she fires it, and then she gets her creative skills at work, putting all sorts of patterns and glazes and all sorts of things that make her pots and all other things that she makes, jewellery, uh, into something quite beautiful. It's phenomenal. She's creative. Many of you are creative. And what, what, what I'm saying is... She's creative. She's made in the image of God. She's doing something that God is wider to do. God is ever so creative. God can make wonderful, beautiful things. And uh, Jackie is just sort of following in that. She's reflecting something of the God who made her. I'm very proud of her. And I'm so sorry that I couldn't show photos. But, <laughs> but listen, I didn't want to embarrass Jackie today or even talk about that so much. Listen, when it comes to the Christian life, we might be tempted to think that it's about making our lives look more beautiful and more together on the outside than maybe they really are. The Bible actually tells us something very different than making something beautiful to look at on the outside. The Bible tells us this, something very different, that God is extremely happy to take us, even ordinary people, though we might be broken, though we might be damaged, and he is happy to display those people for his glory. That's an amazing thing about our God is he takes things that are ordinary and makes them become extraordinary. And at the prayer week recently, um, among a whole load of prophetic words that were coming, Nari had a, a picture and the, the, the thing that stuck with me was of some opaque uh, vessels or uh, uh, jars or something that light was inside blazing out from it. And kind of it got me thinking about this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, where it says this, Paul is saying, we have this treasure in jars of clay. So that, or to show that, uh, this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Ordinary pots but God decides to use it for extraordinary purpose. And that's the exciting thing I find. You see, it's not about us putting glaze on the outside. 
It's not about us making things. It's about God putting treasure on the inside. That's what this verse is saying. It's not about you and me trying to make our life patched up and look a little bit better. It's about what God can do with an ordinary life that makes it extraordinary. God's desire is to dwell among us and to dwell in us and to shine through us and let his glory shine through our lives. Because it's not about me looking good or you looking good. It's about him receiving the glory. Isn't that just a relief? It takes all the pressure off. God's desire is to dwell among us and display his glory through us despite our weakness. Hallelujah. It's about the light of that gospel shining from inside our broken jar. Our, maybe you feel a bit chipped this morning or a bit, bit gnarly, a bit like those pots there. God used ordinary pots, ordinary lives to show his glory through it. Hallelujah. You see, you and I are created for glory. That's what we're made for. The Bible says this very clearly. We are created in the image of God. There is something about us that's made for glory. That people, we should be able to look at people and see something of the image of God, something of the reflection of God's likeness in you and me. God says to over the nation of Israel, he says, you are made for my glory. You're for my glory. That's your purpose. You're not ordinary. Your existence is not random. Your existence is not arbitrary. No, you have a purpose. That's what God speaks. And yet what we find is that our pots, our ordinary pots, are broken. The Bible's very clear. We said when we broke bread, it's not about showing up our sin. It's about looking at Jesus, the perfect one. But the Bible makes it very clear. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of glory. It's like the glory's gone. The verse goes on wonderfully and it says, but we're justified freely through his grace, through Jesus. Hallelujah. Wonderful. You see, we're made to reflect God's glory, but the glory was lost when we sinned and walked away from God. If we've shut our God out of our lives all our time, if that's what we've been doing, then the glory's gone. It's just disappeared. But only through Jesus, this verse goes on to say, only through Jesus is that glory restored. Only through him. And that you and I can once more carry and bear the image of God and carry the glory of God. Paul goes on to teach in Romans 8. He says, those he predestined, or those God predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, those he also glorified. You see, that's God's intent, is to let glory shine from you and me. You and I are made for glory. We're not made for ordinariness. There's a bigger thing. God's desire is for you and I to increasingly become like Jesus. You know, that's what I'm so glad about, is as I follow, seek to follow Jesus, the work of the Spirit in my heart causes me to change. And God's intent is increasingly more and more, you and I reflect His glory. 
and we become more and more like him. Paul also says in uh, Romans 9, verse 21, he says, doesn't the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay uh, some pottery for special purpose and some for common use? You see, it's the same lump of clay. Jackie can take a lump of clay and she can make a very ordinary dish and sell it for 10 bucks. Or she can take the same lump of clay and make something that is phenomenal and it will cost you more than 100 bucks. And you'll look at it and go, I know why. The potter is able to take out of the same lump of clay something that's ordinary or make something and make it special. The wonderful thing is this, the same clay, the big difference. The big difference is this, it's how the potter shapes you and how the potter sees you that counts. That on the day that he makes the pot, he says, this one is special, this one is for my glory, this one I can use for my glory. It may look ordinary like another pot, but today he declares this one special. And it's not defined on how you look on the outside, <coughs> it's defined by what he puts on the inside. That's the Christian faith, is all about what Jesus does on the inside that then translates into glory coming out and spilling out of our lives. You see, the day you come to Jesus, the day you surrender your life to him and say, Jesus, come right into my life, wash me clean and fill me for your glory, the day that happens, he puts his stamp on you. He puts his mark on you. He says, you're mine. The day that happens, that's the day he redefines your value. That's the day when you are no longer ordinary, that day you become extraordinary. Because Jesus is in your life now. And he sets value upon you. The day you come to Jesus and surrender to him, that's the day your identity gets redefined. No longer I'm a sinner and I'm no good for anything. Now I'm a dearly loved son or daughter of God who made me. The day you come to Jesus, he redefines your purpose. Your purpose is no longer common. Your purpose, the day you come to Jesus, is to display his glory. We're in a world where people are running around looking for purpose in life, wondering who they are and what their identity is. I tell you this, Jesus is the one who defines our identity and purpose and value in life. And if you find this morning there's an emptiness, it's almost like you feel I'm an empty jar, I don't know my value, I don't know my sense of purpose, I want to say to you, come to Jesus today. Because he's the one who washes us, who cleanses us, who takes our ordinariness and takes an ordinary life and then turns it into something for his glory. The amazing thing is that when Paul talks about us having this treasure in jars of clay and carrying the glory of God on us, 
He says, but actually, the diff- the di- you know, you and I, the glory that is in us through Jesus is far greater than anything else that's ever been seen before through the Old Testament, through Moses and all of that. Because the glory that was on Moses... The glory that was seen in the tabernacle, we'll look at that in just a moment, but uh, the glory then was fading and it was external. Now through Jesus, the glory in us is internal and it's ever increasing. Isn't that amazing? So let's just have a look just briefly at uh, the fading glory of the Old Testament just to show a comparison between what God, what what has been and what currently is available to us. The fading glory in the Old Testament. Well, we we know that uh, when Moses uh, built the tabernacle, God expressed his heart. God said, I want to come and live among ordinary people. And God says so to Moses, so I want you to build me a tent. Now, this wasn't just a nylon tent. It wasn't just an average tent. It wasn't even the elaborate tents that you get on some campsites that take up about three pitches. Uh, it was, this was the most elaborate tent ever constructed. People would say it would be worth billions of dollars. It was phenomenal. And Moses built this elaborate tent so God could come and live and show his glory among his people. And we read in Exodus uh, 40, this is what happened when uh, Moses finished the work. When all the work was finished, the cloud of God's presence filled the temple. The priests could not perform their service for the glory of of the Lord filled his temple. What an amazing day. I don't know what you... That is an amazing display of glory. The priest could not get in there. Moses couldn't get in there because the presence of God was so intense. And that, the New Testament teaches, is a fading glory. We have a glory that is greater than that. And then some years later... Uh, Solomon has in his heart, or David, his father, has in his heart to build a magnificent temple, a permanent structure that could house the presence of God, if indeed that's possible at all. And Solomon, his son, builds the temple, takes over seven years to build a magnificent uh, structure for God to come. And we read in uh, 2 Kings, that, or 1 Kings, or 2 no, first Kings, there we go, Uh, When all the work was finished, the cloud of God's presence, the cloud came and filled the temple. The priests could not perform their service for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Now, I don't know about you, I don't know if I've physically seen anything quite as astounding as that, where the sense of the presence of God is so intense you can't get in a room. And the rabbis used to try to describe what it was, this sense of glory, this sense of God coming and filling a space with his glory. And they came up with a word to describe it. They called it Shekinah. They called it Shekinah. And what they were basically trying to describe was 
a situation where the presence of God comes and fills an ordinary dwelling place on earth. It's like this ordinary place on earth, the presence of God comes and fills it with glory. And they would go, that is Shekinah. That was the word. That's what it meant. It meant this glory filling this place. An earthly dwelling filled with the presence of God. When the presence of God finds a home, a place to rest, a place to shine glory from, that was called Shekinah. And we're told that both the, the tabernacle, the previous picture, and the temple were shadows of what God intends to do at some point in the future. They are only a shadow, a faint sketch, a sort of vague outline of what God has in mind. And they point, these point to a greater expression of glory, a greater expression of God being glorified on the earth. The prophets through the Old Testament... They prophesied about it. You know, when this temple, Solomon's temple, was destroyed and uh, the uh, children of Israel came back from, um, uh, from exile, they went to rebuild the temple and the uh, prophet Haggai sees, as they're building this structure, he starts to prophesy. He goes, I see, I see the glory of this house will be greater than the former one. He says, I see that it's going to be greater, the glory of this house. He wasn't talking about the bricks and mortar. He was seeing something prophetically that was beyond bricks and mortar. He was saying there's a time coming when God's glory will fill the earth. In fact, another one of the prophets, Habakkuk, also prophesied that. He prophesied specifically. He said the time is coming when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. You look out on the Pacific Ocean, it's vast, it's massive. And what the Bible promises is that God's glory will fill the earth in the same way as waters cover the sea. And Paul states that the glory revealed in the New Testament far outweighs the glory that was manifest in the Old Testament. So let's have a little look at that. Jesus, Ihu Karaiti, he is a manifestation of the glory of God like has never been seen on planet Earth. It says in John 1.14, the word, that's Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling, his tabernacle among us. It's like he had he camped among us. He had a tent among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, fully God, fully man. Suddenly, he is on earth. God in a human tent. God in a human uh, vessel. God is there. He's the new house, if you like, that Haggai saw. The glory of this former house will be superseded by the, the house that God was going to build. Jesus comes on the seas. He is that house filled with glory. He is Emmanuel, which means God with us, God among us. He is glory. He's a revelation 
of uh, the Father. You see, in Jesus, the presence of God comes and finds a home in a human dwelling place, a living being in Jesus. Jesus is the greater glory. You see, the greater glory God was talking about was not, uh, it was no longer the presence of God being confined to a building. Now, the presence of God was going to be displayed in human beings. And Jesus was a total example of that. God's intent of showing and displaying glory. So when you look at Jesus, the wonders, the miracles he did, the kindness he showed, you are seeing God's glory on display in the perfect man. He's the greater glory. He's a living temple. Now you see God finds a home for himself. Not in bricks and mortar, not a stone temple, but in living stones, in living temples filled with his glory. And this living temple filled with the glory of God walks on planet earth. And everything Jesus touches comes with mercy, comes with grace, displays the glory of God, the mercy of God. As Jesus touches things, as Jesus heals people, as Jesus takes hold of people who have broken lives and mends them, as he accepts those who've been pushed aside because they're just, you know, they're not the type, Jesus goes and makes friends with those who are not the type. This is the glory of God on display. That glory is more resplendent than the glory in the Old Testament. This is the presence of God coming among us. One day, Jesus walks through the physical temple, the stone building, and uh, <clears throat> he, um, he, he just remarks, he says, uh, in fact, the disciples say, what an amazing building this is. And Jesus said, no, he says, destroy this temple, destroy this temple, and I will raise it in three days. Jesus suddenly goes, no, 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 it's not the stone buildings. It's not special buildings anymore. You destroy this temple. This dwelling place of the living God in three days, I'll raise it up. And they thought, how can you do that? That took years to build this structure. How do you do that? They didn't realize he was talking about his body. They didn't realize he was talking about when he would sacrifice his life and die. So we celebrated last weekend the death and resurrection of Jesus three days later. They didn't realize that's what he was doing. He was saying his jar of clay was going to be destroyed, laid in the ground and then raised back to life. What was the significance in that? Why did Jesus do that? I want to tell you why Jesus, the Son of God, filled with the presence of God, why did he lay his life down so that in laying down his life and rising to life again, many living temples could be raised up from among men and women across planet Earth and he could fill the very presence of God, could come and fill his people right across the Earth and the glory of the Lord would cover the Earth as the glory of the Lord, as, the, as the waters cover the sea. That was God's intent. And Jesus came back to life again after having paid for our sin and came back so that the life of Jesus can be created in you and me and so that your living, your, your pot, your ordinary pot can be filled with the glory of God and your life can have value and purpose and significance. And it's all to do with the ordinariness of our pot, His glory. Hallelujah. Jesus said this. He said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, 
it remains a single seed only. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. See, Jesus understood a principle, a kingdom principle, that, uh, you know, that if you die to self, if, death is, if, if self dies, it leads to fruitfulness. Jesus understood that. And most of our culture is about promoting self and we wonder why our lives don't look fruitful. Jesus said you give away your life, you become fruitful. It's one of those things about when you follow Jesus, it doesn't sound like it makes sense and yet it has an amazing impact on your life. And Jesus understood this by laying down his life. He's preparing the ground so that many jars of clay can be raised up and filled with the glory of God. He knew that's the only way Habakkuk's prophecy was going to be fulfilled. See, this is more than a personal relationship with Jesus. You are drafted into the purpose of God on planet Earth the day you come to Christ, the day you come a Christian. Significance is written all over you, not for your glory, for his. And Paul teaches this. He says, don't you realize, don't you know, don't you realize, don't you recognize your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? That's what you're made for. You see, through Jesus, you become a dwelling place. I become a dwelling place filled with the presence and glory of God. Paul goes on, you're not your own. <laughs> you see, when you come to Jesus, you give your life to Jesus. You don't give your life to Jesus and then take it back. You lay your life down and give it and surrender to Jesus. When you surrender to Jesus, you know, you're not your own. Suddenly, no, you belong to him and your purpose is far greater. Your calling becomes Shekinah. Let the presence of God fill your life and let his glory shine from within you and impact the world around you. Become that opaque jar, that opaque vessel that blazes out the glory of God. And Paul says we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have this treasure, taonga, this thing of value in jars of clay. Maybe you're conscious of your ordinariness more than you are of the treasure that God has put within you. And often we can measure ourselves up on what my life looks like, what I feel like. What God wants to do is define you and me by what he's put inside. And he wants to live secure in that. What I love about this picture here is that glory is shining through a broken pot. I love that. That is so releasing. 
You see, it's not about covering up your scars. Christianity is not about putting on a front. It's not about patching up your life. I mean, I was brought up with you, you dress up Sunday best on Sunday. Why? That's getting the outside looking like it's smart and nice. When God seems to value ordinary clay pots, in fact, sometimes I think that he chips off the glaze that we put on our lives. You see, it seems like the Bible's ever so real about the fact that life gets, we get buffeted in life and knocked in life and opposition and suffering. And we come through and we feel broken and we feel like I've got scars on me. I mean, listen, you, we might bump into each other at church. You come to my home, you'll bump into some scars on me. You'll bump into some things that don't necessarily look attractive. There are chips that I bear. I'm not all together. I'm a bit like that, actually. I think there are broken things where Jesus put me together. There's still some gaps. You could look at, you could come and, listen, you could come and investigate our family life. You could see that although Jackie and I love each other dearly, is our marriage like the perfect marriage? Listen, there are cracks. There's jar, our jar has knocks on it. So does yours. The wonderful thing about Jesus is he takes you and I in our ordinariness, with our knocks, with our incompleteness, with our ordinariness, and he fills it with his glory. Are you more aware of your ordinariness or aware of the value he's put within you and his life within you? You see, the Bible's real about all that stuff, all the brokenness and the failures and the weakness. But I tell you this, it's very real about a greater truth. That Christ is in you, the hope of glory. He's in you. He's in you and me. And Christ is in me. And that's what keeps me on the days that I don't feel great about myself. I know that my Saviour is in me and he's accepted me as I am and he's washed me clean and knocks and all. It really doesn't matter. Though he is changing me in my character, this I know, that I bear his glory. Because it's not about me. It's not about my performance. It's not about me living up to and measuring up to. It's about what he's put in my heart. You see, could it be that my ordinary looking clay jar is more valuable than that blazing glory we saw in the temple? The New Testament says absolutely. Could it be that God's purpose is to fill my damaged jar with his presence and dwell in me? Could it be that the mercy and the love, the kindness and the power and the forgiveness, the glory that you see flowing from Jesus could be that very glory that God says, I'm pouring into your life and that's in you and all you need to do is leak my glory wherever you go. So that we can see people touched by the salvation that comes from Jesus, by the power that comes from Jesus. 
I'm very moved when I think about these things, that little old me can in God's hands become something of significance. (coughs) You see, in every place in your life, in my life, where you reveal God, where you point to God, where something about you reflects God, wherever you do that, wherever you care for people, wherever you honour people, wherever you're generous towards people, wherever you show love, wherever you honour friends or strangers, whenever you welcome people into your life, when you give them value, you're revealing the heart of our Heavenly Father. That's revealing Shekinah, the glory of God in an ordinary human pot. When we pray for the sick and they recover, you reveal him, the healer. When you share the gospel with someone, when you invite a friend to Alpha, when you introduce them to Jesus, what are you doing? You're you're revealing him, the saviour, the one who accepts people who are knocked about and broken. When at work, you serve faithfully, you honour your boss, you serve people. What are you doing? You're revealing him, the one who serves, the son who came, not to be served, but to serve. If you lead a team or lead a business, what are you doing when you lead with integrity, with honour, with justice, when you allow something of the kingdom to come through you? What are you doing? You're revealing him, the servant king. At home, when you're raising kids, when you're having family, when you're doing that, you're, doing, you're bringing the glory of God in there. When you care for the marginalised, what are you doing? You're revealing him, the one whose name is love. You're revealing glory. You see, when God sees our jars, he declares over us, that's my glory on display. And I don't know about you, I don't want my life to count for anything else but to have that spoken over my life. My life has very little value outside of this. And just in case you think highly of yourself, nor does yours outside of Jesus. When he sees our jars of clay, he declares, that's my glory on display. I've put my mark on you, my name on you. You've got value, you've got purpose, you're mine. That's when ordinary becomes extraordinary. A dwelling place where God is happy to dwell and his glory is happy to come through. Oh, let's stand together, shall we? I'm sorry, I've gone over a bit of time. Let's just present ourselves before God, shall we? Just encourage you, close your eyes, maybe raise your hands to God. Jesus, Jesus. Father, let your glory fall. Father, come and fill us. Let's present our ordinariness to him. Let's look into his eyes and understand actually all our ordinariness, all the stuff you've disqualified yourself, all the things that you say, God can't use me. God takes his pen and he scrubs that out and he writes over you, one of value, one of purpose, one that I can fill with my glory. Now receive 
the affirmation of your heavenly Father. No longer useless, but one of value and purpose. No longer messed up, broken, but now forgiven and filled with the Spirit of God. No longer inadequate. How can God use me? Scrubbed out. Now a person, a man, a woman, a child of glory. One who can walk with dignity. One who can walk in the power of God. How can little old me step out and pray for someone who's sick? How can little old me do that? Scrub that one out. He fills you with glory and power. And he fills you with courage that you would step out and see the sick healed in the name of Jesus. Jesus. While we've just got our eyes closed, I just want to give an opportunity for anyone who would currently say, I don't know Jesus. And what you talk about, about having value and destiny, about discovering God's purpose for my life, I want that. But right now I feel ordinary, right now I feel messed up, right now I feel dirty. I want to tell you Jesus is a master at taking us as we are and building our lives and cleaning us and filling us with his presence and purpose. If there's any here who want to respond to Jesus right now and receive Jesus into their life, just put your hand up where you are. I'd love to pray with you. Lord Jesus.